Go please to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. We began a few weeks ago talking about abounding ability. Abounding ability. And one of our texts is here in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. It said, God is able. You believe that? God is able. Well, is he real? If he's not real, he's not able. Nothing to be able. And there's a whole lot of folks don't believe in God. But they're fools to not believe in him. I'm quoting the Bible. The Bible says, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. And uh, it's really, it's deception what people say, well, I believe in science. There is no true science apart from God. The Bible references that too. It refers to it as science falsely so-called. All true science agrees with God, comes from him. People say, well, no, I I believe in this. I believe in, uh, I don't believe that. You know, God created man. I believe in evolution. That's a belief. That's not science. It's theory. If it was proven fact, it wouldn't be theory. People say, I don't believe God spoke and the universe came into existence. I believe this or that. Well, belief is the key word. You believe something. And to believe that all of this, with its intricacies and perfections, came into existence by chaos, heavenly bodies smashed together, and voila, from the goo, to the zoo, to you. (laughs) It takes faith to believe that. Not faith in God. But you are believing something that you got no proof for. If that's true, you should be able to demonstrate it. On a lesser level. Take you a bunch of metal. Set off explosive charges. (laughs) And when it's done, there should be a new Lexus sitting there. Mrs. Will, if you set it off enough times, no. You can set off explosives a bazillion times and there will never be a new Mercedes or Lexus sitting there. Never. Never going to happen ever, never in a kabillion years. A quadrazillion explosions. Never going to happen. It takes somebody with intelligence To design it and build it. That's what happened. That is the truth. Smart people believe it. And everybody's going to find out whether it's true or not really soon. You don't want to find out late. Smart people believe it now. How many smart people I got in here? It's likely you probably wouldn't be in here if you didn't believe that. But uh, 
<laughs> a lot of people watching on the internet too, but how many would just say it boldly and because you, you're, you're glad that you know it, I believe in God. Uh, he's a good God. He's real. He's a rewarder of everybody that seriously searches for him. That's Hebrews 11, 6. We're quoting it. You believe that? Are you seriously looking for him? Then you're going to be rewarded. If you don't look for him, you don't believe in him, then to you it'll be like there is no God. But it won't be his fault. It'll be your fault. Because you know, people say, well, if he's real, prove to me that you're real and then I'll believe in you. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) You're not God. You can't change it. He said you believe in him and he'll reveal himself to you. Well, reveal yourself to me and I believe in you. Mm -mm. You just go through your life thinking there's no God and being wrong. Find out later. But those that are wise believe now. And the more you believe now, the more you'll see. The psalmist said, I I would have perished unless I had believed to see. Seeing is not believing. That's an untruth. doesn't work that way. You believe, then you get to see. You believe before you see, before you feel, that qualifies you to get to see, to get to experience. Can you see that, saints? He said, God is able. You believe he's real? You believe he's he's able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace. Grace involves and entails gifts and giving in every area. He's talking specifically about material and financial ability in the 8th and ninth chapters of 2 Corinthians. Read it and see if that's not so. He's able to make all grace. Does God's grace include every area of our life? Yes. Does God have grace for the financial and material part of our life? Yes. He does. And he's able to make all grace abound towards you. And the result of all this grace abounding toward us is that we always have all sufficiency in all things. Is that poverty? Is that lack? It's not. It's abundance. And that we may abound, able to abound to every good work. Now, the area of talking about abundance, talking about prosperity, as many call it, is one fraught with so much controversy. And I have a little bit of understanding why there are a lot of crooks around. It's a fact. And there's a lot of preachers that uh, the main focus is prophesying money out of your pocket into theirs. And they know the scriptures to quote and the things and the buttons to push and the levers to pull and the things to do. Manipulative. But uh, that doesn't do away with the truth. There's a lot of crooked doctors too. And lawyers. Right? There's crooked postal workers. Grocery store owners. But that doesn't mean all grocery store owners are bad. And God gave you a book and he gave you the Holy Spirit for you to be able to discern. And so if somebody takes you and fools you 
It's primarily your fault. Because you went along with it. Didn't pray enough. Didn't stay in the book enough. Didn't pray enough. Because if we'd have been listening to him, he would have let us know. Don't do that. Don't sow into that. Don't be a part of that. Don't help that. Even if we didn't know why, he'll let us know. Just stay out of that. Stay away from that. But he'll never lead us when he's leading us to invest and be a part of something. That's never going to be a waste. We have somebody helping us if we'll listen to him. Do you believe that? In John 10, go over there. John 10, 10. Let me talk a little bit about what's going on right now and what always goes on in church services and meetings if people are really serious and believe in him. The Spirit of God is here. I said he's here. The anointing is here, which is a manifestation of his presence. Sometimes you sense it stronger than at other times, but even the times when you don't sense the anointing as much doesn't mean it's not there. And uh, the anointing, the Bible says, teaches us. Teaches us. And in his light, we see light. In his presence, just sitting in here, sitting there at Branson, or sitting there watching by the internet. If you'll not focus on me and not focus so much on yourself, but focus on him. And yes, you're hearing what I'm saying, but don't limit yourself to what I'm saying. We're believing him to speak through me and then also to speak to you beyond what was said. Yes, thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. He's my teacher. He's my teacher. You're not talking about me. We're talking about him. He's my teacher. And the anointing is opening my eyes, enlightening my heart and my mind. And in his presence, you begin to see things. And realize things. And know things. And understand things. And the truth. Will make you free. You believe it saints? That's happening. It's happening. Tonight. It's happening in these times. Now you can be carnal. You cannot believe that. You can say, I don't know about all that. And you can sit up there and the lights can be on, but nobody's home. And you're thinking about what you did today and you're wondering how long I'm going to go and what you're going to eat when you leave here. And you'll get nothing. And it won't be because there was nothing here to get. It's just because you were zoned out and you weren't tuned in. Hmm? Happens all the time. People be in the same place, same service. If the anointing is really there and the truth is really going out, two people can sit side by side. One can be bored and the other be forever changed. And they heard the same thing and yet they didn't hear the same thing. Him that has ears to hear, let him hear. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come. That they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you believe Jesus came to this earth? Yes. Why did he come? Now you'll hear people say all kind of things that are not true. 
And the way you decipher it and get the chaff from the wheat is go back to the source. Why did Jesus himself say that he, Jesus, came? I came that they might have life. The devil has come. Is there a devil? Yes, Yes, there is. Believers have no reason to be afraid of the devil. But you need to realize who is behind stealing. Who's behind killing. Who's behind destruction? And I'll just be blunt with you. It irritates me to hear Christians and preachers blame God for the works of the devil. Just ignore scriptures and place their traditions above the word of God and tell good people who don't know any better that's trying to believe in God that When their children were stolen from them, God did it. He had some purpose in it. Their houses are destroyed by storms. Their finances are taken away and destroyed. You've got people all over the place telling believers that you don't understand it, but you just need to submit to it and that God has some purpose or some plan. No! It's a lie. It's a tricky, subtle lie. I'm going to believe what the master said. What Jesus said. If it's stealing. If it stole something from you. Don't blame God. It's the thief. Is God the thief? Is Jesus the thief? Certainly not. If it killed something in your life. If it destroyed something in your life. Don't blame God. Don't believe. God is not your problem. He's your answer. He's not the one taking things away from you. It's the thief that steals, kills, and destroys. Why did Jesus come? He said. Red letters. You got red letters in yours? He said. I am come that they, believers, might have life. And that they might have it. That's not just eking by. Listen to the complete Jewish Bible. The complete Jewish Bible says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come so that they may have life, life in its fullest measure. Don't you like that? Life in its fullest measure. The Amplified says, I came that they may have have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Now we've talked about this word abundance. The reason why the Amplified keeps adding words is because this word in the Greek doesn't just mean abundance. To bring it into English better, it means super abundance. Look up the words and you'll see what I'm talking about. These words that are translated, let me give you the definitions. It means beyond It means uh, over and above. It means superfluous. It means in excess. It means surplusage, superabundance. Superabundance. Is God really the God who will run your cup over? Well, that's surplus. Right? That's surplus. When he multiplied the loaves and fishes... Didn't God know 
exactly how much it would take to feed all those people? Do you believe he did? Then why did they have 12 baskets? Why? Why? That's too much. Somebody say too much. That's too much for what they needed. But that's exactly the will of God. You know what the will of God is? Too much. Too much just to meet the need. More than just enough to do it. People get hung up on hundredfold. I've had people write me letters and all kind of stuff. I didn't write that verse. I don't know why they don't know that. (laughs) But people go, oh, that's just bizarre. That's crazy. Nobody's ever reaped a hundredfold off of everything that they've ever sowed. Well, would that be God's fault? And if you don't believe it, then that should explain why it's not happening for you. We have seen numerous instances in our life where it happened. But think about this. Little boy's lunch that he brought out there that day. Little boy's lunch. Little boys don't lug around 50 pounds of food for their lunch. Little boy. He's probably got half a pound, maybe. Let's say his mama really packed him a lunch. He's got a pound. When you figure out how much food it took to feed 5,000 men plus women and the other children and have 12 baskets left over. You're talking about roughly 30 to 50,000 fold. Not 100 fold. Not 100 fold. Why didn't the multiplication just stop when everybody got full? Because he came that we might have life. And have it to the full until it overflows in surplusage. Somebody say surplusage. Surplusage. I can tell that we are poking and kicking sacred cows tonight. (laughs) So there's a big fat one that we need to knock over. You ready? You ready? Let's knock them over. <laughs> Go. <laughs> you say that now, unless it's one of your cows. So, uh, <laughs> Philippians. Philippians, the fourth chapter. If it's not the word and it's not right, don't you want to get it out? Yeah. So one of the most dangerous things is thinking that something is the word and it's not thinking that something's truth and it's just some tradition that men came up with, thinking that something's the Word of God, the Bible, and it's not. It's just something that men invented. Here's something that has been a hindrance to a lot of people and something you hear actually misquoted. In Philippians 4, Philippians 4 and let's see, uh, we'll start... Verse 4, 4, 4 of Philippians. He said, rejoice in the Lord all the time. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. It's always appropriate to rejoice. Everywhere, all the time. When conversation logs and you don't know what to do, rejoice. 
You get bored and don't know what to do. Rejoice. Rejoice. Always appropriate. It's always the will of God. And verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And many have taken from this verse this phrase. Everything in moderation. You ever heard that? The Bible teaches everything in moderation. I'm going to tell you, no, that's not right. That's not what this verse says. And to base an encompassing doctrine on half a verse that you don't understand is a very big error. First of all, when people say everything in moderation, what do they mean? What are they talking about? Let me. Did you hear that cow? Moo! Oh, we poked a holy cow. Why would I say such a thing? Well, you're listening, right? What does moderate mean? Let me read you some definitions. This is not the definition of this word translated in the King James moderation. This is what moderate means in our modern vernacular. Moderate means average, mediocre, (laughs) limited, not expensive, moderate. Not too much, not too little, just moderate. And we need to be moderate in all things. Have you ever heard that? In everything. Moderation. That's not what this verse says. And does the word teach us that Jesus came that you might have life and have it moderately? (laughs) Did he? Now don't get carried away. We don't want you too healed. Moderately healed. (laughs) We don't want you too excited. Moderate. Moderation in all things. Moderately blessed. Moderately free. Moderately anointed. Just moderately. In everything. Moderation. That's not true. That's not true. You know how healed God wants you? (laughs) He wants you so healed. That healing is overflowing, splashing off of you onto other people, and they're getting healed. He wants you too healed. Too much healing. Have you ever read the scriptures? What kind of God did Abraham know? He knew a God that gave him too many cows, too many goats, too many camels, too many sheep. Didn't he? Didn't he? What kind of God did Peter know? He knew a God who gave him too many fish. He gave him so many fish, he couldn't get them in the boat. His nets broke. He had to call his friends, and their their boats are sinking. Do you think God would know the maximum capacity of those boats? And the maximum capacity breaking strength of the nets. Do you suppose God, who creates the universe, would know such things? Then why does he give them too? Why does he give Abraham and Lot too many cows? They can't even graze them on the same land. Because he enjoys them. Why? This is your father. 
Get to know him. They're going, God, God, we got too many cows. He said, that's your problem. Here, have some more cows. More cows. <laughs> God, God, you know, there's too many fish. We can't take them all. He says, not my problem. Your boat's too small. More fish. Have some more. Have some more. <laughs> Is that moderation? No. See that? I'm not just, you know, trying to beat on something here tonight. There is a whole life view that is attached to that phrase, everything in moderation. Which means, don't know, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you don't want a, a real expensive car. You don't want a real expensive house. You don't want to spend too much on that. You don't, you don't want to, why not? You want to be led. You want to be self-controlled. You don't want to be out of control with your feelings and your emotions. That's temperance. That's something else. Which basically just means you're controlling yourself. But when the Lord tells you to do something, you're not just supposed to do it average. You're supposed to do it all the way. Didn't he say, I would rather you were hot or cold. Not lukewarm. Lukewarm sounds like moderate to me. (laughs) How about you? Not too much. Not too little. Don't want to get carried away. Don't want to get into excess. Actually, you do. You don't want to get into error. But until you get into excess, you don't have anything to bless others. If all you ever have is just enough for you and yours, what are you going to bless others with? You don't get into the full flow of blessing until you get into the surplus. Till you get into the more than enough. Till you get into the excess. If we just barely had enough for Branson Church to run... There would be no Sarasota church. That took a whole lot of excess. Over and above. What it takes for that. Right? If Phyllis and I and our staff and our partners and our folks believed everything in moderation. All we need is what we need and that's all we need. Enough for me and mine. That's good enough. That's all I want. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy. If I can pay my bills, I can do my thing. That's all I need. That's all I need. Then you live in a fishbowl with yourself. <laughs> and you're not aware of the world around you. Or of everything else going. In order to do much for the kingdom, for other people, you got to have not just enough. You got to have Way more. Somebody say way more. Way more. more Than just enough. You got to have some excess. Some surplus. And if you're going to do something serious. You got to have some serious surplus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Is anybody getting this or not? Can you see why the devil fights this so hard? Because if he can keep you tight, he can keep you from doing anything, from branching out, from reaching, from expanding, from growing. 
And you know what? People fight this, and I'll just tell you, you know, you get stirred up about this, and you get to believe in this, I'm going to warn you, not everybody's going to be happy about it. <laughs> but if you're going to be used of God, and you're going to be a part of some of the great things he's doing in the earth in our generation, then you'll have to not let them dissuade you, and just hold on to the truth. And uh, even though we've had people that mocked us and and, you know, said negative things about us. But in decades later, we were able to help them. Because we were in a position to. If we'd have believed what they said, we'd have never been in a position to help them. Some of the very ones that said, oh, you're missing it. You're wrong. You're going off into air with those other confused people. Twenty years later, patted me on the back and said, boy, you did the right thing. <laughs> Started to say, not if I'd listened to you, I wouldn't have. But I didn't say it. How many believe God is a big God? He's a big, good God. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life until it overflows. Abundance. 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 Can you be too healed? Too saved? Too free. Too blessed. Can you be too big of a blessing to other people? <laughs> no. Then you want to get rid of this idea. About this average in moderation. Back up to the second verse here. And begin to see. So many times if folks would have just read. The verse before that verse. And the verse after. They never would have come up with some of the doctrines that they did. What's he talking about in this passage? I beseech you, Odeus and Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. He's talking about people getting along, not fighting and fussing and no strife. He's talking about get together, be of the same mind. Verse 3, and those women that labored with me in the gospel, he's talking about all these folks getting along. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. How many of you quit... Being mad and start rejoicing, that helped the whole situation. And verse 5, let me read this to you from other translations, and you see how you should see it. The Living Bible says, Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. That's how this translation translated, Let your moderation be known to all men. Very different, isn't it? Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. What has that got to do with everything in moderation? Nothing. And yet whole doctrines have been built on that half a misunderstood phrase. Let me read other translations. The NAS says, let your gentle spirit. Others say, let your forbearance. Your forbearing spirit. He's not talking about being average and restricted and moderate. He's talking about being easy to get along with, being considerate, being gentle, being sweet. (laughs) Your mom ever tell you, be sweet? She's right. That's what the scripture is saying. But people have taken that and twisted it, and the enemy was able to get in because of folks' ignorance. No. In fact, to do the perfect will of God, we're going to have to go beyond average. We're going to have to go beyond moderate. 
and get into some excess. You believe it or not. You don't want to get into error. You do want to get into excess. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Genesis. I quoted some of these things to you. But uh, Genesis 13. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was a way, he is that same way. Our covenant with him has changed from the Old Testament, but he has not changed. He didn't need to change. He's perfect then. He's perfect now. And notice how he was then and how he still is now. Genesis 13. Genesis 13, verse 1. Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all he had, and lot with him. Keep reading. And Abram was what? Very rich. Not just in his heart. (laughs) He was rich in cows and silver and gold. Who made him that way? God. Religion has tried to tell you that if you're really dedicated and really have faith in God, then you you pretty much need to take a vow of poverty. Then where does that leave Abraham? Only one of the most famous men of faith that ever lived, the man that God personally called his friend, was rich and married, had a family. Keep reading. He went on his journeys. Verse 4, he went to the place of the altar and he called on the name of the Lord. Verse 5, Lot went with him and he had flocks and herds and tents. Notice an S on every one of those. Somebody say flocks, herds, uh, tents. uh. They lived in tents, so that's like having multiple houses. That's where they lived. Does it make any difference who you hang with? (laughs) You can tell from looking at the whole story that the main reason Lot was so blessed is because he was running with Abram. Right? right. That was it. And when he broke off from Abram and wound up over in Sodom, lost everything. How many think he should have stayed with Abram? How many think you ought to stay where God puts you? You stay hooked with the people he hooks you with. Even if they may not be your favorite people or if they don't entertain you all the time. <laughs> you better stay where you're, where you're hooked, where God puts you because that's where your blessing is. That's where you increase. That's where your success is. Do you believe it, saints? Yeah. So many times the enemy is able because of people's pettiness and their pride. They're led into a situation and joined by the Holy Spirit, but then they sever that tie and are led out by offense. And anger. And get out of the place. Where God put them. And so then they struggle. Year after year. And things don't go the way they should. Because they're out of their place. Not us. Say not me. Not me. Lot went with Abram. And he had flocks. He had herds. He had tents. Verse 6. And the land was not able to bear them. That they might dwell together. For their substance was so great. So they could not dwell together. Somebody say, too many cows. Too many sheep. Too many goats. Too many camels. Too many donkeys. Too many. Who gave them too many? Hmm? Too many. 
Too many. Skip over to the 26th chapter of Genesis. Genesis 26. I remember as a uh, teenager. When the first time I really seriously began to seek the Lord. And was reading the Bible. And had never read the Bible through on my own. And I was reading the Old Testament through. And looking back now. I didn't realize what was happening then. But looking back now I can see it much clearer. As a teenager. I'm reading about David. His mighty men. I'm reading about the prophets. And Elijah and Elisha. And showdown with the prophets of Baal. And, and all these things. And I'd get through reading. Sometimes an hour or two or three at a time. And man. I just felt like something was happening to me. And I wouldn't know how to explain it. But. The things of God, his character, his will, his ways are coming out of these anointed words. Honor is getting in me. I'm beginning to understand what it even is. And the glory of God and the power of God. And while I'm endeavoring to yield to the Spirit right now, and you're endeavoring to yield to the Spirit right now, do you believe the anointing on these words is coming into us? And instead of what goofy, even stupid, erroneous stuff that people say and believe about God, we can get rid of that junk and see him like he really is. And begin to touch who he is and what he is. And this is what he is. He's a too many goat, too many cow, too many camel God. That's who he is. He's always been that. He always will be that. Men can say all the junk they want to and tell us that poverty pleases him. If I really believed poverty pleased him, I'd get rid of everything I've got. I would. I'm convinced it doesn't please him. And I found out the more I have, the more I can do for you. And I found out he loves you. He loves me. And anything I can do for you, he takes it personally. So what I'm doing is believing for more. More than I ever had. So I can do more. So we can reach out further and do more. So we can give hundreds of millions of gifts of the word to people all over the planet and it not cost them a dime. You can't live a moderate life and do that. (laughs) You got to have way more than enough. To pay your little bills and your utilities. And, and that's not just for me. That's for you. Somebody needs to say that's for me. That's for me. Come on set me. That's for me. My life. Me. It's all relative. It's not about an amount number. But it's about you having way more than you need. To do beyond yourself. Hmm. Beyond yourself. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Genesis 26. What is this? uh, 14? Put up 14. 26, 14. Isaac had possession of what? Flocks. And what else? Herds. Great store servants. We'd call them employees today. And the Philistines what? Envied him. He had so much stuff. They envied him. We have examples of the people of God that God blessed in the Old Testament that got so blessed that the kings came 
and asked them would they please leave because they're making them look bad. They got more stuff than they do. And who gave it to them? God gave it to them. Skip down to the 36th chapter. This is a third generation now. It was Abraham. There's Isaac. Here now is the third, Jacob and Esau. Genesis 36 and 6. Esau took his wives, his sons, his daughters, persons of his house, his cattle, his beasts, his substance, and he went, verse 7, for their riches were more than that they could dwell together, and the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them, because they had so many cows. They had so many cows, there were cows everywhere. There were cows in this county and cows in that county. Cows, cows, cows. And people were upset going, there's too many cows everywhere. I'd go try to leave the house. There's cows in the front yard. There's cows. Whose cows are those? Jacob's cows. How in the world did he get all those cows? Because his daddy had too many cows. And his daddy's daddy had too many cows. He was convinced you're supposed to have too many. Way too many cows. <laughs> Somebody say glory to God. He's a too much God. Leviticus 26, turn there. The word of God has a pounding effect on your spirit. If you receive it, it'll just hit you and hit you. And what it's doing is putting faith in you and it's knocking unbelief out of you. And junk and ungodly tradition out of you. And how many believe you need it knocked out of you? You need your mind renewed so that you don't think like men, ungodly men, you think like God. In Leviticus 26, I won't read the whole thing, but he said in verse uh, 10 that if they would obey him and keep his commands and do what he told them to do, he said, you will eat old store and you'll have to bring forth the old because of the new. In other words, your crops and your herds and flocks will be producing. And as they produce, you won't be clearing out the old as fast as the new's coming in. You won't have used it up and eaten it all. And you'll have to take the old out. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just last season. But you got no room for it. Do you remember anything like that in Malachi? That if you would bring to God the tithes and offerings, he had opened the windows of heaven. He would pour out a blessing on you until there was no room to receive it. Is that God? Come on, is that the will of God? That you got to take out the clothes and there's nothing wrong with them. They're just a few months old and you got new season stuff coming in. You got to take that two-year-old car out of your garage because you got the new cars coming in. Did I lose somebody? There's nothing wrong with the stuff. Do you know what to do with that stuff? Sow it. Sow it. You don't just do like the man we read earlier and build bigger barns and stockpile it for yourself forever. Because you're not going to be down here forever. And you don't want anything just sitting, rusting, rotten when somebody could be using it. Right? But if you believe God, you'll have a flow coming through you. So that you have to step up your sowing because it's piling up on you. Is that the word of God or did I just make that up? That's the word of God. 
That's what he said. <laughs> thanks be unto God. Somebody say thanks be unto God. Proverbs 3 and 10. We've quoted this many times. But Proverbs 3 and 9 and 10. Let's read verse 9. He said honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first fruits of all your increase. And what will happen? Your barns will be filled with plenty. And your presses shall what? They will burst out with new wine. Somebody say too much. If it's busting out, that's too much. (laughs) Glory to God. Go to Luke 5. Luke 5. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Verse 1. Luke 5 and 1. It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, Jesus, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Keep reading. He saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were going out of them. They were washing their nets. Verse 3. He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Did you know Jesus is not a moocher? He's not just a taker. These men sold the use of their ship to Jesus. They didn't charge him for it. That made it a seed. What happens when you sow a good seed into good ground? It comes back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. What happens when you sow a great seed into the best ground that ever existed? Then you get this immediately. Verse 4. When he had left speaking, he told Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft or a catch. Verse 5. Simon said, Master, we toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless. Boy, he sure did the right thing by continuing and saying that. At your word, I will let down the net. Verse 6. When he had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. Come on, you need to say that out loud. Great multitude of fishes. Fishes. And their net broke. Keep reading. They beckoned to their partners that were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they, the ships, began to sink. Somebody say, too many fish. (laughs) It was too many fish for the net. It was too many fish for the boat. It was too many fish for the other boats. Who gave them all those fish? Who? Who? Would he be that way with them, but he's different with you? He's that way then, but he's backed it off some. And he's more moderate. (laughs) He hadn't changed. Men have changed. Men's beliefs have changed. But he hasn't changed. He is a too many cow, too many goat, too many sheep, cup running over, Net breaking, ship sinking, too much. Jesus, do you believe it? Say it out loud. He's more than enough. He's he's way more than enough. That's his will. That's his pleasure. 
Now I know that millions are living in not enough. And millions are living in barely enough. But it's primarily because of their wrong thinking and wrong believing. If people would begin to believe this and act like it and talk like it, the limitations would begin to come off. Increase would begin to flow. Can you say amen? Amen. It's not just about putting offerings. Now some people have left the idea if you just give enough, give enough, give enough. No, it takes more than that. You can actually give beyond your faith and beyond your vision. Anybody remember 3 John 2? Put it up on the screen for us please. 3 John 2. What does it say? Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. How's it going to happen? Even as your soul prospers. Now some have tried to say, well, see, the main thing is that your soul prospers. Well, yeah, but he's not saying that's more important than the other. He's saying the other is tied to that. That you're prospering in your body and you're prospering in your finances is directly connected to your prospering in your soul. What does a prosperous soul sound like, look like? feel like. It's exactly what I've been hollering and waving my arms about all night. It's a getting rid of the choking ungodly traditional junk and all this everything in moderation. (laughs) It's getting rid of that choking stuff and realizing He's the same God that gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob too many cows. He's the same God that gave them too many fish. He didn't change. He didn't change. And he will give me way more than enough to do everything that I'm supposed to do while I'm here on this planet. You could be the brokest man or woman on the planet. You could be living in a cardboard box in the most depressed city on the planet. And I'm telling you, if you look up to God and you say, God, I don't care. I believe it. I believe you will raise me up off of the junk pile and the garbage pile. You will give me so much. I can do everything you've ever made me and called me to be and do and then some. If you believe it. You're coming up. You're coming out. It'll happen. If you sit there in despair and go, well, I guess this is just my lot. I guess this is, you know, God makes some people rich and he makes some people poor. Nobody knows why. And this is just my lot in life. Then you will stay there and it will get worse. And you'll imagine it's God's will for you. And it's not. I said it's not. It's believing lies. And it's being trapped. By deception and confusion. What will the truth do for you friend? The truth. What is the truth? Jesus came that you might have life. To the fullest. Till it overflows. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Preacher, do you have to raise your voice and raise your yarns like this? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. If you want a quiet, unexcited guy, you're at the wrong place. (laughs) For one thing, I know where God brought Phyllis and me from. 
I know where I was and I know where I am and I don't claim to have arrived but I have come from complete poverty and obscurity to being able to bless others and have something to do for others. And it is the joy of my life. Hallelujah. And I know who did it. And I know why it happened. The day our lives begin to change was when I heard something that sounded too good to be true. That God was a good God and he would bless me including the natural side of life. And actually that had always been his will. The first few times I heard it I thought well that can't be right. You know you don't want all that stuff. Money's the root of all evil. Which is another misquote. Isn't it? Another misquote. No, no, no. Just because other people are confused doesn't mean you have to be. Go with me to Joshua. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Who always causes us to triumph again and again and again and again. Thank you, Lord. Joshua, the 17th chapter. You will see a parallel between God's first covenant people and us. What happened to them and what now is happening with us, what belongs to us. The scripture tells us that what happened to them is an example. It's a type of what is fulfilled now in Jesus Well, what happened is God chose a people and he brought them out of total bondage and darkness. They were slaves. They were the Egyptians' property. They owned nothing. They couldn't own land. They couldn't own houses. They stayed in some dilapidated place, but they're slaves. They don't own their own body. They're their property like a cow or a horse. But God brought them out with a mighty hand. Didn't he do it, saints? He brought them out, and he didn't just bring them out. The psalmist said he brought them out with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. He healed them, and he put money in their pockets and delivered them from slavery. Didn't he do it, saints? So they came out of that level of abject poverty, not having enough. And they came into a place where they were traveling through the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. And in this place of wilderness living, they're free. They got money in their pockets and they had just enough every day. Everybody listening. Where did they come from? Not enough. And where did God bring them to? Just enough. On their way to what? (laughs) The promised land. Can you see that? Not enough. Just enough. More than enough. But they got stuck at just enough. Wonder if that's a type. 
They got stuck in just enough for 40 years and most of them died in the land of just enough and never made it to more than enough. Didn't they? And it was not God's plan. It was not God's will. It was because of their unbelief. Every day they had supernatural provision. Manna fell out of the sky. And he that gathered extra didn't have too much. He that gathered little didn't have too little. It was all just enough. And he told them don't save it from day to day. And every day you're believing God. And every day it's just what you need. But that was never God's plan for them to live perpetually in just enough. Can you see? They're having miracles. They're having supernatural provision. And yet it's not the place God has called them to be. They were supposed to go through there. And learn lessons. They were not supposed to stay there. And when you. When God brings you out. I don't care if you have a lot of money. When you get saved. You're still going to have to learn how to live by faith. And quit looking at your stuff. And you'll come through a season. Where you have to learn how to follow instructions. And how to trust God. And not have everything stockpiled. And everything figured out. And if you'll learn those lessons, you'll come through there into a place that flows with milk and honey. Do you believe it? Well, the grapes are too big. It takes two men to carry the grapes. That's the place God had prepared for them. Isn't it? Say it out loud. I'm coming out. Of the land of not enough. And I'm not just staying. In the land of just enough. God's will. Is way more than enough. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. I know I'm taking some time. But it's. We need to hear it. Again and again. Are you convinced? How would you know that this was getting in you? And you're getting your mind renewed. How would you know? You'd be getting excited. Because you'd begin to realize. It's not God's will. It's not God's will for me to eke alone. Barely survive. That's not God's will. How can I be a blessing to other people? Barely surviving. And thank God when your needs are met. But just enough. Is not the final place. Are you in Joshua? 17. 15. Joshua 17. 15. After. All those guys had died in the wilderness. After. Joshua began to lead the people. To take the land. Verse. uh, 14. Joshua 17, 14, the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua and they said, why have you just given us one lot and one portion to inherit? Seeing we're a great people for as much as the Lord has blessed us hitherto. Complainers. You didn't give us enough. 
the promised land was to be distributed and different tribes inherited different parts. And Joseph, the tribe of Joseph is complaining. They're going, we just got one lot and it's not enough for us. And Joshua said, oh, excuse me, we'll get you another part immediately. (laughs) So sorry for the oversight. No, he uses their words. It's a play on words. He says, so you're a great people, huh? If you be a great people, get yourself up to the wood country and cut it down for yourself in the land of the Perizzites and the giants. Take theirs away from them. If Mount Ephraim is too narrow for you, (laughs) go get it. You want more? Go get it. Yeah, but there's giants over there. Yeah, but you're a great people. You said so. (laughs) So go get it. (laughs) And the children of Joseph said, the hill's not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land, they got chariots of iron, tanks. And Joshua told him, he said, you are a great people. You said it, but you don't believe it, but you are. And you do have great power, and you shall not have one lot only, but the mountain will be yours. It's a wood, you'll cut it down, and you'll drive out these Canaanites. Even though they've got iron chariots, you will, even though they are strong. Go get it. The blessing is ours, but it's not going to fall on you. You got to take it. You take it by faith. I said you take it by faith. Verse 2 of the next chapter. There remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Years and years after God gave it to them, still there's 12 tribes. Over half of God's people were not enjoying what he had given to them. Because they didn't have the faith to take it. And Joshua said, Verse 3, how long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? What are you waiting on, he says? Go get it. And some of them heard him. Some of them heard the word of the Lord. And if you skip down to the 19th chapter, and about verse uh, 9 Out of the portion of the children of Judah, 19.9, was the inheritance of the children of Simeon. For the part of the children of Judah was what? Was what? Too much. Too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them. What happened? Years were passing. They're living in bleak, meager circumstances. It's like wilderness living. See, so many times people have gotten used to a certain way of life and our needs, they're they're met. So just thinking, well, this is it. We've arrived. No, you're still in the wilderness. You're still in the land of just enough. God's got something more. He's got something better. He's got the promised land. Do you believe it or not? It's not just about you amassing huge quantities of money and houses and stuff for yourself. No. It's about having the ability 
to do beyond yourself. And that's what happened with these guys. When over half of God's people had not yet possessed their inheritance and Joshua said by the Spirit of the Lord, what are you waiting on? Go get your inheritance. The tribe of Judah heard him. And they took off. They went home. They said, boys, get your gear. We're going to take our land. And they went over and they took and they possessed and they possessed and they sent back word and said, we got that. They said, is any to the left? Yeah, take it. All right. They took to the left. They took to the left and they took it. They said, we got that. What do you do now? Got any behind you? Yeah, take it. Take it. So they took to the south and they took to the south and they took to the west. And when they got through taking, got through possessing, they thought, my word. We'll never fill all this up. We have taken too much. Did they possess too much? And did a man of God come out to them and say, Yea, thus saith the Lord, you greedy rascals. You greedy rascals. You have taken too much. No. Their taking of too much put them into a position to where their brother tribe Simeon didn't have a place to live and apparently didn't have faith to take it either. And they said, hey, guys, move in over there on the west side. We won't even know you're there. You can have it. Just come on. You can live with us in our land. And they did. And so instead of one tribe enjoying possessions, two tribes enjoyed what one tribe took. Friend, there are masses of believers who will never accept the message you and I are talking about tonight. They will never accept it. They'll fight it. They'll fuss about us, write preachers like me, ugly grams, because they really believe in their minds that it's only about people being money hungry and greedy. And with some people, maybe it is. But it doesn't do away with this. And there's got to be some of us that are so unfazed by this that we actually take too much. And we don't just stockpile it for ourselves. We got enough to help other people who don't believe this and are not possessing their possession. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. The tribe of Judah, the praising bunch. Hallelujah, the loud music bunch. Come on, the guys that just won't stop. They just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And you can't shame them for taking too much. You say, man, you guys are just getting too much. You go, ain't it great? Ain't it wonderful? And what they don't know is that is just like our daddy. That is just like our father. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.